Listen, we're gonna listen. I, we got a kindred spirit. If you like food, so uh, you know, so I'm gonna just try to convey the word of the Lord and get us out of here, and uh, that we can have a day just to rejoice in Him. But uh, how many of you in here you ever lost something? You, you ever lost something? Okay, I've been there. Miss Robin, anybody know Miss Robin in here? Everybody, okay. If you don't know Miss Robin, you will shortly. I promise. Uh, she loses everything. I had the uh, privilege of taking our mission team to Guatemala, and uh, everybody unloading their luggage, and uh, I hug them all and tell them, I hope to see you back. Oh, no, it wasn't that morbid, but uh, I was just telling them I love them. And they were leaving, and uh, there was two bags still sitting on the curb, and there was nobody left. And I said, hey, somebody's going to have a rough week. And so I began to look at the bag, and Miss Robin, it's not mine. I got mine. Miss Robin must pack for everybody. It was both of her bags standing. She left them right there. And uh, so uh, we love Miss Robin, and she's, uh, she's, she's one of the most amazing people that really loves and cares. But listen, she'll lose anything, so y'all better be careful. But uh, I have a problem, I, I, uh, and... Uh, I'm, I'm always a little more transparent with y'all than I think, you know, when I go back and listen to the sermon, I'm like, man, I probably shouldn't tell people all those horrible things, but I have problems with patience, and if I lose something, it escalates it rapidly. Uh, if you rode with me, you know I, I deal with road rage, that's a patience issue. I've changed it, it's no longer road rage, I just want to be first. Uh, <laughs> it's just simple. But... Have, have you ever got up in the morning, you, you're, you're going to get, I mean, you get up, you're about to go and change the world, like, you're going to turn it upside down, and you cannot find the keys. I mean, it's like, where did they go? Or maybe you can't sympathize with the key, because you're, you're one of those holy people that has a little thing you put your key on when you walk in, and you do that before you ever, ever breathe, you know, those kind of people. What about the remote? How many of y'all's remote is on elite level of hide-and-go-seek? <laughs> we had a new TV that we purchased, and uh, we, we had it mounted, and we were, it was awesome. It's 60-inch. I done moved up in life. Like, man, I, this, is, this is it. And uh, about two months in, I couldn't find a remote. So you know what we did for two months? We didn't watch TV because <laughs> my kids ain't tall enough to reach the TV yet. And I wasn't going to get up and change the channel every time I needed to. Any of y'all in here, were you ever the remotes growing up? Yeah, I, I was the remote. And, uh, but I, I can just, re I just feel, it, gets, it just creates anxiety when I lose things. Uh, y'all don't raise your hand. You ever lost your children? It's okay. <laughs> Uh-oh, maybe I shouldn't ask. I didn't ask the first service that one, but, uh, you know, maybe, maybe sometimes in life you, you feel bad that, you know, I haven't lost my children yet, so I'm feeling a little, more, a little better about life. But have you ever been lost? Not, you didn't lose something. You ever been lost? Okay, well, I, listen, y'all are in good company because the guy's speaking. I got some stories for you. But uh, this past uh, two weeks ago, we had a great opportunity to uh, go to Atlanta on, on vacation with, with uh, my wife and, and our two daughters. And uh, we went to Atlanta, and that place, 
Them folks can't drive. And listen, whoever designed the city, the layout of the roads, they don't need, they don't need to be doing it. Because anybody that names 5,000 streets Peachtree is Peachtree Ave, is Peachtree Northwest, is Peachtree Southwest, is Peachtree Circle. I'm like, guys, do y'all have any more vocabulary? But I told my wife, I said, honey, how do people travel before Google Maps? And uh, this is like a marriage question. Any of y'all feel like you got strong marriages? Raise your hand. Okay, I want to test it. <laughs> Get out your Google Maps. Wait till Friday, Friday at 5 o'clock and go to Atlanta and get your wife to be the navigator and you be the driver. We, that's the litmus test of how strong your marriage is. Because I'm just telling you, we, that's what happened to us. It was bad timing on our part. We got in there, and I, y'all know my road race, so I'm already escalated. Ashley over here, uh, she's doing a great job, but I'm one of those people, if you're navigating for me, I need to know the next three turns ahead of time. Like, I need to know when I make the right hand, I need, if I need to be in the left lane, tell me I need to be in the left lane. Because I don't want to have to change six lanes of traffic. So, it took a little, it took like 20 minutes, but we finally got that cleared up, and uh, we prayed and interceded and fasted. And <laughs> After that, we were good. But I say all that because we, we didn't get lost up there, but it would have been very easy without a GPS. But I remember one time, and y'all, you're in, you're in South Georgia, so don't be horrified by the story I'm about to tell you. Uh, when I was in high school, we used, to, uh, we used to do something they called coon hunting. And now you really know, like, you leaned over to your neighbor like, where have you brought me to? They're talking about coon hunting. But uh, basically, real quick, I'm going to give you a real skinny of this. You got a dog, uh, and the dog goes out. He's got a really good nose. He, he sniffs out the, the raccoon and sends him up the tree. And uh, when he gets him up the tree, he just starts, boom, boom, And I ain't going to bore you with that. But if you're a real good hunter, you know the difference when you when your dog is on the trail or when he's on the tree. And one night in December, when I was younger in high school, we, were going, we went coon hunting. And it was raining that night, and we turned the dog, I, I let the dog go, and sure enough, long story short, she began to chop. I knew we had a, I knew we had a coon up the tree. I, if I was Jerry Clower, I'd have to tell you, you know, and some of y'all know who Jerry Clower is, but as I began to go into the woods, as I began to pursue in the haste, in the haste of the pursuing this animal, I forgot to track my way in because I was excited that we were about to get to this animal, and we got in there, and we we, we, we seen the coon, and we got all turned around in there. And, and in that moment, we needed a call, so I'm just going to say we got the coon out the tree. And, uh, and, and we, were, we were about to leave, and the young man that was with me, he said, which way is out? And if you have never been in the woods at 1 o'clock in the morning, everything looks the same. And so I began, to, I began to get panicked. I began to think to myself, it's, it's 40 degrees, it's raining, 
and I don't know how to get out of here. I don't know what direction to go. And I began to get nervous, and I began to get scared, and then what I was scared of was, if I went this way, was I going further or closer to where I really needed to go? And sometimes when we're lost, it's the fear of if I make a step, am I going too? If I'm getting closer or if I'm getting further away? And in that moment, I, I was scared, and, 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 and usually my granddad would, would stand out beside the road, and he would holler us out. But that night, the rain was too loud, and, and he couldn't hear us, and we couldn't hear him. And so I said, you know what, I'm just going to go this way. And I began to go in the direction that I thought was where I needed to go, and I was scared, man. The more I walked, the less I was sure of where I was going. You ever been there in life? The, the, more, you, the more you went, the sh more unsure you were. But I remember as I pulled back one of those palmetto bushes and I seen the, the back light of a house. And I knew right then, I knew where I was going. I knew where that house was. And in that moment, I began to understand that there was a moment that I was lost, but now I was found. And maybe some of you, you came in here in the pursuit of life, in the haste of life, chasing after what, life, what everybody says life is, and you have found yourself turned around, not knowing how to get back. But can I tell you today, there's a beacon, there's a light, and it's on today. And maybe you've walked in here and you're unsure, but I want to tell you, that there is a light shining and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. Today I want to share a message of grace and hope about a young man that kind of like myself found himself lost and unsure of what to do next. So if you don't mind, I would love for you to point your attention to the screen as we're going to look at Luke, 11, uh, Luke 15, 11 through 32. video. Sorry.
when I had the opportunity, when I was given the opportunity to speak, and they told us that, you know, you can make it about some verse that's impactful to you, to your life. I began to comb the scriptures, and I, I could not leave Luke 15, because I don't know about you, I can sympathize a lot with this passage of scripture. I can sympathize that in my life, I've not always made the best decisions. But today, I, I, I want you, if you don't mind, to take a journey with me. We're going we're gonna to open up Luke 15, and we're going to read some passages today. But if you would take a journey with me through this passage in Luke 15, I want to answer three questions. The f I want to answer about a lost son, and I want to answer the questions about a loving Savior. So if you're here today and you're taking notes, the first question that I want to ask today, the first question that I would love to try to unpack and answer to you is this, how did I get here? The first question is, how did I get here? It tells us in Luke 15, verse 13, it says, Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had and set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything there was, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out as a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed his pigs. But he longed to fill his stomach with the pod that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Today, my friends, I want to, as we look into this passage, I think that the first question that rises to the top, I, if we look at this young man, we see that he was in a home of, of comfort, a, a place of of bliss. I mean, his dad loved him. He had, he, he had a brother that loved him and cared for him. But in that, in that moment, something inside of him wanted something else. And so he left this place of comfort to find himself in a pig pen. I was raised in, I was raised in, in, in the country, and we, uh, we for the long time, longest time had, had our own pigs, hogs. And if you've never been around them, they are disgusting. They are some of the nastiest animals that you will ever come in contact with. They will lay down and waller in their own feces. They, 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 they just, they'll eat anything. No, and I, I paint this picture because I want you to understand on a physical level, it's a nasty, it's a horrible situation. But how did I get here? You see, if we would be honest with ourselves, maybe, maybe we would ask the question, how did I get here? Can I tell you this, that, that this young man struck out for what he thought was fun, and he thought it was going to be great, but the promises of pleasure did not equal his current condition. The thing that he left home pursuing is not what he found. He left pursuing all the pleasures of sin, but found himself in the pit of guilt, of shame. And so I want to talk to you because I think if we're not careful, we'll over-moralize this story. Some of you probably already walked in, and, and as soon as you heard the title, The Prodigal Son, you began to think that sermon's for somebody else. Because I ain't took all my daddy's money. I ain't did no wild living. 
And if we're not careful, then we'll say this don't apply to us and we think it's somebody else. But the truth is, I think if we're all honest in here, we're all born into this thing called sin. We're all born into this issue called sin. So every day, every day, the enemy has one goal, to seek, kill, and destroy. So you know what? You maybe look over this and say, you know what, Pastor Josh, I don't have any problems. But i got to tell you this. If you don't guard yourself, you will ask the question one day, how did I get here? How did I get into the place that I never wanted to be? You see, it's a slow fade, my friend. It's a slow fade. I've been in church over 20 years of my life. I've been in the same church for over 20 years. And you know what I found out? I found out that most people that walk out of those doors never do it overnight. But something small, something that seemed insignificant, they did not guard. Can I tell you today as Christians, we don't get days off. 24 7, 365. Because there's never a day that the enemy gets up and he says, Ashley, I'm going to give you a pass today. You know what? It's going to be good. The enemy don't do that. But the enemy gets up and he paints a target on every one of our backs. Every single one of us that call ourselves Christian, he paints a target. And what he does every day is sets out, how can I take them down? How can I destroy their testimony? How, and, and you may tell you that's why we've lifted up preachers in this society to the place that some of them feel like they're taking the place of God. And when they fall, we lose all our faith. Because the enemy knows if I can take out the big dog, I can make some of your faith waver. I can make some of you believe that you can't even live this out, but you can every day. You can live it out, but it takes every day. And so I want you to, under, if, you're writing, if you're writing anything down, please take this. He planned for the pleasure, but never for the pit. He planned for the pleasure. He knew he wanted to have fun. He knew he wanted to get turned up. He knew all of that, but what he didn't plan for was when all the money ran out, when all the friends left, and nobody was calling. That's what he didn't plan on. And you know what? So many of us, we go into this thing and we're just like, it's just a little sin. It's not that big of a deal. But we never plan on the pig pen, but we always plan on the pleasure. And you see, maybe it's the same in your life today. You begin to look around. You begin to say, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm 30 years old. This isn't what I had in mind. I, I, thought, I'd, I thought I'd be in another place by now. I, I, I thought that if, I thought if I got everything I wanted, I'd be happy. And, and maybe, maybe you're, you're echoing the words that says, I thought, maybe I, I thought I would be happy when I got the new job, Pastor Josh. I've been in church long enough to know. And don't get me wrong, I understand taking care of your family. I understand providing. But I can tell you this, if the new job pulls you away from the presence of God, it wasn't his will at all. And so many times we're sacrificing the things of this world to meet somebody else's dreams, somebody else's goals. And the truth is, if we're all honest with ourselves, we've forsaken the presence of God. And I'm going to tell you today, that's how this young man found himself. How did I get here? He removed himself from a relationship with the Father. And so many of us, that when we remove ourselves from a relationship with the Father, we find ourselves asking that question, how did I get here? How did I, how did I get into this place and in this moment? 
You know, I, I thought I'd be happy when I viewed porn. But it's not. It's destroying my marriage. I, I, don't, I don't value people the same way because those images and those things in my mind. And you know what? This is a talk that a lot of churches don't want to have, but I know nine out of ten men in the church right now are looking at pornography. And I'm going to tell you why. Because in our life, if we're not careful, we won't guard ourselves against the small things. We say, it's just a little bit here. I'm not cheating on my wife. I'm not doing those things. But can I tell you? It's a slow thing. Slow thing. You know, I, I, I thought, man, if I, I thought if I got drunk and I went and partied up with my friends, I thought it would be fun because that's what the world says. I thought if I thought if if I could just be somebody. And that's what this young man heard. He heard over and over and over the things that would make him happy. And we're looking at television and we're listening to friends and we have devalued the importance of the Word of God and we find ourselves looking at what the society says success is and finding ourselves coming up short because we, it does not match. Christianity does not match the world's view. You know what the world says? Do what makes you happy. You know what Jesus says? Take the lowest seat at the table. Don't, don't try to be somebody. Serve. I, the creator of the entire world said, I did not come to, to be served, but I come to serve. And there's a humility, and I, I could go on and preach so much on this, but the truth is, what we think makes us happy, if, it's, if God is not in the middle of it, we will find ourselves asking the question, how did I get here? You see, the son distance himself from the Father. It was never the Father's choice. And I tell some of you in here today, you walked in here and you don't understand. You don't understand why life's going the way it is. You don't understand what's happening. But the truth is this, and I just want to be real honest. I want to be really honest with you. He's never moved. He's never moved. You allowed the spirit of sin, you allowed the enemy to tell you that these things would always make you happy. And you've taken and you said, you know what, some of you gotten so mad at God because he wouldn't give you what you wanted. Can you, do you know this inheritance before maturity is a curse? I know, y'all need an example. Uh, my daughter, Braley, she's six years old. If da Braley walked up here on stage today and said, Daddy, you know what, I, I, I want a car. And I handed her my keys. Y'all would all leave service early because you want to get out of here before she does. <laughs> because now when she turns 16, I, I want to get her a car. Because there's a maturity level. By that time, hopefully she knows how to drive. But you want me to tell you what she did about two years ago in her little red car? Ran her cousin right over. Blue, 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 blue. I mean, he was under the car screaming, help, really. And what I'm trying to say is if we're not careful, we'll get mad at God because we don't feel like he's given us what, he want, what we want, but he knows if he gives it to you too early, you won't know what to do with it. But today, I can sympathize. Sister D, I've, I've sat on the edge of my bed. I've sat in my truck. I've sat at my job. And I've asked myself, how did I get here? How did I get into this place I never wanted to be? 
how did I get into this place that seems so foreign from where God's original plan is for my life? But can I tell you this? We've got a Savior that loves us and he cares. And at those moments when I really messed up, when, it, when I made decisions that didn't make sense, Jesus Christ came back in. He gave me another chance. And you know what? Maybe you're in here today and maybe you're on the, maybe, maybe you've only failed him once and you're on your second chance. But maybe, maybe some of you, you, you're on your 40th chance. But maybe some of you, you're like me, man. And I just want like my 100th chance. And I, I try every day to get it right. But sometimes I mess up. And sometimes if we're, if we're really honest, we ask ourselves, how? Did I get here? But the decisions that we make today determine the destiny that we fulfill tomorrow. The second question, as Ashley comes, the second question I want to ask you today is, does God rescue? Does God rescue? Well, it may be a, resounding yes. Every single person in here would say that Jesus Christ rescues. But the truth is, there's some of you, in times in my own life, I felt like I was too far gone. I felt like that I had made so many bad decisions and choices in my life that God would come to rescue somebody else, but he wouldn't come to rescue me. You know, in battle, there's this thing called triage. And sometimes I feel like that's the way we think God's grace is. The triage is they, they administer to the person that has the best chance of surviving. So if you're really messed up, they ain't even spending time on you. But that's not the way our Creator works. It doesn't matter how bad, it doesn't matter how nasty it looks, it doesn't matter how bad the situation is for you, our creator doesn't work on no triage, but what he says is, I created them, I knew them, I've got a plan for you, I've got a purpose for you. But I want to show you something in Luke 15, and we, and I won't read it for the sake of time, but if you go to the first part of Luke 15, Jesus is, it says Jesus is hanging out with a bunch of sinners and tax collectors. And the Pharisees, that's them super spiritual people, you know, they don't do nothing wrong. Their Facebook is just like a Bible. Their kids, you know, they don't act out in the restaurant. Those people. And the Pharisees say, is he that he's hanging out with them if he says he's who he says he is if he's the creator if, if, if he's the the savior of the world why is he hanging out with them I'm about to blow us religion I'm about to blow some religious people's hats in here today and Jesus you know I wouldn't want to I want to be friends with Jesus but I wouldn't want to be friends with Jesus you know what I'm saying like you ain't even got to say it and Jesus will say it for you like, you can be thinking it, and Jesus is like, that's wrong. But Jesus, in that moment, heard what they were saying. And when you know what he done? Not, not that Jesus Christ said anything 
directly to him. He just began to tell him about three stories. He said that there was a lost son, and there was, there was a lost sheep, and there was a lost coin. Because you know what Jesus Christ was saying inside of those stories, inside of that parable? I didn't come. I didn't come for those that don't need no Savior. I didn't come. I came for the person that needs some help today. And Oh, thank you, Jesus. Religion says, care about the 99. You know what Jesus Christ says? I'll leave the 99 and I'll go for the one. Because you know what? I love you guys and you're great, but you're here. But there's somebody that walked in here today, and I want you to know, I want you to know, he'll leave the 99. We ain't got to make church about us. It ain't got to be about what we prefer. It ain't got to be about us. But when somebody walks through those doors, when somebody came in here and they're beaten down by life, and they don't know what to do, Jesus Christ shows up on the scene and says, I'll rescue you. I'll make you whole again. I'll come. I'll come when everybody else walks out. I'll come. Because Jesus Christ came on a mission to rescue us. But can I tell you this? We, so many times, want Jesus Christ to rescue us the way we want to be rescued. But that's not the way it works. Do you understand that, that in the two parables the, of the coin and the sheep, they went searching. They went looking. But if you, if you get it in the back part of that last parable of the son, the dad didn't go looking. I'm going to tell you. You want me to tell you why this story was my verse? Because I've seen grace in a new way. And grace isn't that God always comes and rescues us from our mess. Rest, grace isn't always that he comes and pulls us out of our mess. But I'm going to tell you what grace is. Grace came in 17 when he says he came to his senses. I can feel the presence of Jesus Christ in here so strong this morning because I believe some of you, you, don't, you didn't know why the situation was horrible. You didn't know why people have walked out of your life. You didn't know why Jesus hadn't showed up and got you out of the situation because he knows this. If he had showed up and he had got you out of it, you'd have went right back to it. But I believe some of you today, you've come to your senses and you're saying, Pastor Josh, I know I wasn't intended to live like this. I know I wasn't intended to live in this situation, in these circumstances. I, I wasn't intended to deal with this addiction of pornography. I wasn't intended to deal with this addiction of alcohol. I wasn't intended to, to deal with this trying to value myself through somebody else. I, I wasn't intended for that. But I was intended for this hope and his grace and his mercy. And you see, grace is that dad didn't come. And he felt the consequences of his decisions. And maybe some of you in here today, you thought the rescue would come some other way. But today, in your situation, in your circumstances, you're crying out to a Savior. You're saying, you know what, Pastor Josh, you're right. If he would have saved me, I'd have never seen what I did wrong. But today, and I love this last and third question. And this right here, I preached the whole day to get to this. I preached the whole time to get this. Does God restore? 
I know some of you are like, Pastor Josh, rescuing and restoring are really close. Oh, no. No. They ain't even in the same family. They, they don't even live on the same block. They are completely different because rescue will get you out of the situation. But restore will get you everything that you lost while you were in the situation. And I love, man, I get excited. Because you know why? Because the enemy's going to tell some of you in here right now under the sound of my voice. You, as soon as I started talking about hope and grace, the enemy began to say, he is going to wear you out when you make a step to step out of those seats and come down to that altar. You know why? Because he's a, he's a mean daddy. Listen, he loves us. And now I don't care what my children do. I, listen, the word became new to me when I had kids. I didn't understand a lot of the scriptures when I was younger. But when I had two daughters, and you know what? They make some boneheaded decisions. They make some things that I think, I think to myself, man, what were they thinking? But there has never been a poem, there's never been a moment, there's never been a time that my love looked over all of that and looked to what I knew they could be and what I what I aspired for them. And I want some of you to understand, you don't have some, you don't have some dad that just sets up there and every time he sees you, he wants to give you a whipping. You got a dad that loves you. A dad that cares. He restores. Because can I? Oh, Jesus, I got to hurry up. He restores. And I'm going to tell you why, how I know this. You would think to yourself, if he really loves you, he would have came. But he knew if he rescued you, you'd go back. Hold on, I got to find. I just believe the passage says that daddy was sitting there on the porch that day probably one of those rocking chairs from Cracker Barrel he's just rocking and I believe he's beginning to say just bring him home just, just bring him home if you get him here God I'll love on him if you get him here God I'll restore him if you get him here God I I'll give him everything that he lost. And it said in the passage that he's seen him a long ways off. Because can I tell you, you might have left his presence, but you've never left his eyes. His eyes have been on you the whole time. He knew that if you will just come on, just come back this way, his eyes never left you. His eyes never took, they never left you for one moment. And he began to see him come a long way off. And he, he began to tell somebody, he said, go get the cow. Go get the, go get the robe. Go get, go get the, some shoes. Go get the ring. Because this ain't no servant. This is my son. And he's come home. Because I don't care what you've done. I don't care what sins you made. I don't care what situation in life you're in. It never changes the status of your relationship with the Father. He isn't a Savior that is an unconditional Savior. And as I close here today, as you stand, it's a story I've used a few times. And as I begin to think about this service, I just begin to think, God, this illustration is so.
powerful and, and it, fits this, 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 it fits this situation in life. And it's the story of this young man that was a chess player. He was, he was, in, this, he was in this chess tournament and uh, if they won, they got to take a trip all around the world. They could go anywhere they wanted. And in this chess tournament, this young man, he began to win. And before long, he had won the entire tournament. And so a few months later, he boarded an airplane to, to fly all around the world. He loved museums. And so his, he was wanting to fly all around the world and go to all these different museums. So he boarded the plane there. And he touched down in London. The first thing he said, take me to the museum. So he got there and he walks in. And on the back of the wall, as he's walking down, he sees a, a portrait that's been painted. And it catches his eye. He sees a, a chessboard and as he gets closer, he sees a chessboard and on one side is the devil depicted with a fork in one hand and a tail hanging down below and on the other side is a young man maybe 20 and he's got beads of sweat popping off his head and the bottom underneath the chessboard says checkmate and this young man ran out of that museum he held the first taxi cab. Hey, hey, take me to where I can get a chessboard. And so he takes him there and he gets the chessboard and he comes running back into the he comes running back into the museum. He's pulling the plastic off the chessboard. He throws it down on the floor. He begins to look up and he begins to look down and he begins to put it all together. And he looked up and he said, Hey young man! Young man, if you can hear me. You still got one more move, and it's the king. You still got one more move, and it's the king. And I want to tell some of you, you walked in here this morning. Ooh, I feel the presence of Almighty God. You walked in here this morning, and all the, all the way has been e echoed into your ear, checkmate, checkmate. There's no more moves. There's no more moves. But this morning, when you got up, when you put your pants on and you made a time to get to the presence and to the house of God, God began to say, there's one more move, my friend. Young lady, young man, married couple, there's one more move. Don't give up on that marriage. Don't walk out. Listen, he is here. And the, pro and the story of the whole prodigal son is a second chance. A second chance. A third chance. My life's not always been the greatest, but I am so thankful that he's looked past every one of my failures and seen who I really was supposed to be. And heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I simply want to ask you, that young man had to make a choice to come to his senses and get out of that pit and walk back to his father. My question to you this morning is will you begin to make the step towards him? Will you come back today? Will you come back for a second chance? Not only will he rescue, but he'll restore you. 
If you're here today and you'd say, that's me, Pastor Josh, I'm going to count to three and I'm going to ask you to do something. I know it may seem uncomfortable, but I believe this. When you begin to make a step towards him, the, the power of Almighty God will resonate over your life and you will begin to feel him in such a, in such a supernatural way. But if you're here today, you say, Pastor Josh, this message spoke to my heart. I know, I know I need to come back. If you're here, one, two, three. If you're here today, and you say, Pastor Josh, I, I've done some things I'm not proud of. I want you to step out of your seat and come right now. Be the first one to move, I promise you. You be the first one to move, and they'll move with you, my friend. Because I can tell you, God didn't give us this word for it to fall on deaf ears. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I'm going to ask some of our prayer warriors, some of our leaders, that if your heart's in tune with, with God, I want you to step out of your seat today. Begin to come in behind these. They've made a decision. They've made a, they've made a choice to step out and come back. God, I ask you today. God, I pray right now, Lord, before we begin to sing this song, begin before we begin to cry out to you, God, I'm asking you right now. God, you've given me this word this week, and all I could, all I could hear echoed in my mind was, how did I get here? How did I get here? And God, I ask you today, God, Lord, that you let them know that wherever they're at is not where they've got to stay. And God, whatever situation they're facing, God, you are greater than it. You are bigger than it. Yes, God, you are bigger than anything we face, God. And Lord, we just give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name. Ashley, you play something.